The Sooners are making headway on the recruiting trail. Got a first commit and many, many crystal balls coming in over the weekend. We'll talk about that. What Oklahoma softball weekend was like up in Ames and an interesting little uh, side trip for a Oklahoma coaching staffer. We'll talk about all that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. It is Locked On Sooners live on a Monday night, so if you're in the chat, make sure to drop a question, drop a comment. Let us know where you're listening or watching from. We'd love to to interact with you and and figure out how big this is spreading and where you're at in the world. Uh, Josh, Big recruiting weekend. I feel like that's where we got to start. We talked about it quite a bit on our Monday show, but got the commitment from Jeremiah Newcomb, but several more, you know, just crystal balls coming down the pipeline. You know, if y'all didn't get a chance to watch the Monday show, we talked about several of those guys as well. Caden Massey, offensive lineman out of Kansas, uh, Davin Mitchell, the tight end, uh, formerly of Texas, now out at Los Alamitos in California, five-star guy in the 2025 cycle. Uh, Just, a lot, man, just really a lot to dig through as they had more than 60, some numbers even estimate over 90 prospects in Norman this past week. Just a huge w- recruiting weekend. And it's uh, all sorts of different classes, right, for the uh, recruiting weekend that was. Nice to see that uh, you got the immediate immediate uh, reward of a commitment in the form of Newcomb, and obviously there's uh, – Lots of nice little tea leaves out there when you start looking at recruiting predictions and on and on and on. All of this tonight, I feel like, John, is it, it's building, right? The, the last show, and then now that we're live, you've got your studio audience here, if you will, on Locked On Sooners. And it's all built for you to go on your spiel about why we need to, we need to embrace recruiting predictions. It's okay to be excited, but let's, let's before we do any of that, let's rehash some of what we talked about with Newcomb because – It is, uh, you know, I mean, look, how long have we been having the conversation about when is Oklahoma going to get the first 2024 commit? When is that first domino going to fall? We saw Kevin Sperry happen, uh, obviously, before that. But uh, now you've got that first domino that has fallen. And I think that I've been, I don't know, super outspoken is the, the right phrasing here, but I've been pretty clear that to me, I'd like to see defensive dominoes fall before offensive dominoes fall for Oklahoma. I just think in today's day and age and uh, of football and really kind of given Oklahoma's history of late, the problems that have existed at Oklahoma. If you tell me uh, blue chippers, one, two, three, four, five to start defensively for Oklahoma, anywhere that they're at. Yes. Defensive tackle edge rusher. Those would be priority, you know, blue chippers to land for OU, but anywhere defensively would have me excited. And obviously Oklahoma starts its class out on the defensive side of the football. Well, and it continues what they did in the 2023 cycle where the majority of their blue chip signees were defensive prospects. I think it was like 16 blue chip prospects and nine or 10 were on the defensive side of the football. So a a nice kind of transition to what we're going to expect to see 
with Brent Venables, Todd Bates, Miguel Chavis, Brandon Hall, Jay Valai. And specifically speaking of Brandon Hall and Jay Valai, I mean, they signed seven defensive backs in the last cycle. Six of those were blue chip defensive back prospects. And they kickstart the 2024 cycle with a blue chip four-star defensive back prospect. And this is a dude that, I mean, I think we talked a lot about it with Jackson Arnold and just how his, you know, star status rose and his recruiting profile grew and grew and grew over the you know 2022 calendar year. I really feel like the same thing could happen with a guy like Jeremiah Newcomb. This is a dude that plays the game really, really fast. I talked about it on the Monday show. He's got a fast processor. He's able to diagnose what's happening in front of him and react quickly and get to the ball carrier and make a play and here. And he arrives with force. Like he's not a typical cornerback. Like this is a guy that could moonlight at safety a little bit. He's just that um, athletic and he's, he's a physical player. He's willing to initiate contact out there on the edge and he's willing to take on running backs when he's kind of isolated. Uh, he's willing to set the edge when the offensive linemen are, are pulling or you know running uh, you know wide zone or something like that. He's he's not afraid to set the edge out there, and he's got enough athleticism and quickness that he can get around offensive linemen and still set the edge. So it's it's a really really impressive player. When you turn on huddle, I mean, again, these are highlights. We're looking at the best plays that they had, but you see the traits jumping off the screen that I think are going to allow him to continue to grow his profile. And when he does get to Norman and he does get in there with Jerry Schmidt and he does get, you know, collegiate level coaching with Jay Valai or Brandon Hall or both or Brent Venables, it's just going to raise his game even more so. And so I love the Jeremiah new com- you know, commitment. He's a player that wasn't really on a whole lot of people's radars until the last week. And then all of a sudden he went from zero to a hundred just like the way that he plays the game of football in no time. And here we are, we have our first commitment of the cycle. It, it does, uh, does feel a little crazy that this, uh, happened, you know, rather, rather swiftly, but, uh, Hey, away we go. And here was what Newcomb told 24 seven sports about why he picked OU. I chose Oklahoma because I felt like this was the best fit for me. It's about relationships with relationships with me and traveling down to Norman Getting to be around the players and the staff made me feel welcomed and connected already with the Sooner fam- family. Man, I'm beyond blessed and grateful Coach Venables and Coach Jay Valai started this relationship from the jump with me. Coach Venables is a great coach, and he's one that's going to push his guys to be the best they can be off and on the field. I believe the path he's driving Oklahoma football will be a winning program, end quote. So uh, this, by the way, just to give proper credit where credit's due, that's from Blair uh, Angulo from 24 seven sports or Angulo, Angulo. Uh, sorry, Blair, if I'm totally botching your name here, but uh, proper credit given where proper credit is due. So again, this is uh, kind of the theme. Is it not with Oklahoma that they're going to be relationship driven in recruiting and it's not going to be about name, image, and likeness entirely. I do think uh, privately Oklahoma has been more competitive than maybe initially we thought. Or, or feared that Oklahoma wouldn't be in uh, the NIL game. But uh, it sounds like just for right here, this is this is a blue chipper, John, that says, uh, I, I had a great relationship with Valai, with uh, Venables. I like the v- vision that they have for where Oklahoma's going. And he's bought in on it. Yeah, and I think that's going to be continuing to be the case, is these guys are going to look to build relationships with, with the players, with the families. 
and allow everybody to feel comfortable about who and what they're committing to. And I think that's a really good thing about what Brent Venables is about. It, it is relationship driven and it's a relationship game. You know, you have to have trust in the coaching staff. The coaching staff has to have trust in the players and they kind of have to have a mutual trust if you're wanting to be pushed hard and, and driven. If you're driven enough and you want to be pushed hard, you got to have that trust. You got to have that mutual trust. And that comes from building relationship, you know, and they, a lot of people were kind of like in that in the same place with Todd Bates as maybe they were with DeMarco Murray a few years back where, okay, we haven't seen, you know, a litany of four and five star guys from Todd Bates just yet. Although you do have Grayson Halton, you do have Derek LeBlanc over the last two cycles to play on the interior, but you haven't seen the, the plethora of blue chip prospects just yet, but it's coming because as John Garcia, our guy here on the Locked On Network, the recruiting analyst, has said, Todd Bates is a relationship guy, and it takes time to build those relationships and and kind of re- I don't want to say resell or sell people on the idea of Norman, but to keep that relationship strong as you make a transition to a new spot, and then letting them know, like, hey, this is a great spot. I love being here. This is a place I want to be. This is a place I brought my family to, and it's going to be a good place for your kid too. And it's going to be a good place for you to develop and, and continue to grow as, as an athlete. And so it all just comes with time. Relationships take time. And, and that stuff is going to, to bear fruit sooner rather than later uh, for the Sooners on the defensive side at, at defensive tackle in particular. But yeah, just a great way to kind of start off spring ball, really. Like Oklahoma just got started with practices last week. Boom, we got a commitment now. And it's going to continue to snowball, I feel like, through April, May, June, July. We saw it last year. I mean, you had the Josh Bates, um, you had the Josh Bates commitment from the Lincoln Riley era. You had Jackson Arnold commit, was it January, end of January of 2022? But it really took until you got into you know the late spring, early summer months before this recruiting class really, really started to uh to get going. And yeah, it's gonna be the same thing, but I feel like we might see stuff really start to happen sooner than it did last year. You know, one thing that I think that we should also and appreciate that Keaton locked on crew like this vid. Yes. We love, we love likes, shares, all those fun things. Hank, you, you were first. Congratulations. Uh, see everybody in the chat fire away. Uh, if we don't start off with questions in the chat, we'll, we'll get to them before we call it a night. Uh, Scooter Nate, what's up, buddy? Uh, hope uh, work is going. Okay. And hopefully this is uh, entertaining to some degree at work. One thing uh, about Newcomb before we you know, move on to some of the other projections and predictions that are out there, John, I, I like this quote. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, a lot of times in recruiting we see this when guys commit or whatever. But uh, th- this is like the token Venable's recruitment and commitment because it, it's, it's all the right notes that uh, you would want to hear from a Venables commitment. Listen to the the quote that he has. He talked about the relationship with Vly and Venables. We shared that with you. But he says, quote, we talked about building relationships because football is a family sport and everyone's got to be connected as a whole unit. Football is my passion. I love the game. And here's the part, John, that excites me. I don't care what position they place me, whether that's corner, whether that's nickel or punt returner. I will always give it my all helping out my team and providing my work ethic to OU football. Oklahoma is my home. Now I will only 
be taking my official visit to Oklahoma, end quote. That's, uh, again, hitting all the notes of a Brent Venables recruitment, I would say. Yeah, he knew that he knew that he knew that he knew. That's what Brent Venables is looking for. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to really digest with this first one and with what's coming. Uh, there's a question about Aaron Flowers, so we can talk about him. Uh, who's gonna he's gonna commit um, here in just a, a week and a half? April seventh is his commitment date. We'll talk to him after we talk to y'all about Fanduel. Ah, yes, Fanduel, America's number one sports book, ladies and gents. And oh, by the way. We're approaching NBA playoff season. It's here. Crazy. Can't believe it. NHL playoffs right around the corner, too. But there's still the final regular season moments for you to get in on the action out there because, hey, new customers, a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app where it's safe, secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money line to point scores, threes drained. First goal score, I'm sure, uh, on the, the hockey side. FanDuel, they let you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat, first bet, no-sweat, first bet, up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com backslash locked on. FanDuel.com backslash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA so what is the uh, buzz with Aaron Flowers? Well, you know, it's interesting. There's, you know, Oklahoma has really been the favorite for him for quite some time, you know, dating back to, I believe, you know, a crystal ball, maybe back in December um, coming in. But it looks like USC has started to really make a strong play uh, for Flowers as his commitment date comes up on the 7th. He just visited Alabama on an unofficial. Uh, so it's it looks like maybe – this one is kind of, I don't want to say slipping away, but the tide is turning a little bit on this recruitment. But I wouldn't necessarily say that Oklahoma's out of it or that they've lost the lead. I feel like it's just the way recruiting goes, right? Sometimes guys that you you might have peaked a little bit too early in the recruitment or he might have heard something from USC that he liked a little bit more. All in all, I think what we're seeing is Oklahoma still has options at defensive back at safety, you know, they have gotten a ton of favorable predictions for Jaden Hardy out of Louisville. Another player we talked about on the Monday show who is a, is a player in his own right. So I don't know where they'll stand precisely on flowers on threes, predicting that he's going to end up at USC at this point. It's so it's an interesting dilemma dichotomy here, you know, go play for Alex Grinch or go play for Brent Venables. You know, it's an interesting decision to make a uh, guy that's, you know, won national championships as a defensive coordinator had top 10 defenses or Alex Grinch feels like a, a pretty easy choice, but at the same time, you know, d- has Oklahoma found players that they prefer at the position that that's definitely part of the conversation. Potentially that's not to say that they wouldn't take flowers, but you never know what's going to happen on that front. So I think right now it looks like he might be heading to USC but I wouldn't count Oklahoma out of any recruitment ever until it's all done, meaning it's signed. So how about this then? April 7th is the scheduled commitment date for Aaron Flowers. We saw for Michael Hawkins, things get pushed back, right? And obviously, extenuating circumstances in in his life and 
in uh, obviously you, you guys know by now the, the situation where he was playing football and it, it makes sense why he would have pushed it back. So maybe that's a, a poor comparison to point the two out, but there was talk, right. That with Hawkins pushing the date back, maybe wasn't good news for Oklahoma. And yet that still sounds like it's the pendulum swinging Oklahoma's direction when it uh, finally winds up for OU. But do you have a leaning one way or another here? Is it better news if the commitment date comes down on April 7th? I mean, an on-three prediction of late shifting to USC, I mean, would signal that maybe it's not the worst thing for Oklahoma if somehow the can gets kicked down the road a bit, a little bit and the commitment doesn't happen initially here. But uh, what do you think? No, I think it probably it probably would be good for Oklahoma if he decided to to push that back. But it sounds like he's ready to wind it down and, and make a decision at this point. Um, so yeah, you know, you're gonna win some, you're gonna lose some, you're not gonna get every you know guy that you go after. I mean, they offer what 70, 80 guys in a cycle, and you're not gonna take them all, you're not gonna land them all. It's just the way that recruiting goes. But they do have options. I mean, they're not lacking for talented defensive back prospects. The 2023 cycle, they got a ton of them. We talked about it in the first segment. I mean, a ton of dudes that are going to be able to really help on the defensive back end. They've already got one in the 2024 class. They're probably going to get another one in Jaden Hardy, who's a really, really dynamic athlete in his own right. Uh, and I'm sure they're going to end up with, I mean, I say I'm sure. Our guy Parker Thune over at OU Insider is pretty positive they're going to end up with Eli Bowen, another 2024 four-star cornerback, uh, and then Michael uh, Patterson Davidson. I'm blanking on the name now. Um, the Westmore prospect, uh, three-star that they're probably going to land as well. So the the prospects are there. Oklahoma is not going to have any issue recruiting defensively. 2022. The football season didn't go like they had planned on the defensive side of the football. That's an aberration. It's going to get better because we've seen Brent Venables coach much, much better defenses. So it's going to get better. What's uh, what sort of the buzz you're seeing or hearing as far as wide receiver goes for Oklahoma? We saw at least one prediction. Did we not for yet? Now this is a little bit further along, but Grayson Harris is a 2025 kid that, uh, Sounds like there's some momentum building there. Uh, anything else to report of note in terms of wide receiver? I've kind of had a benchmark take that, generally speaking, until I see reason to believe otherwise, wide receiver and and you know running back skill guys offensively, it's like I feel like Oklahoma's going to get there. As though, I mean, what what do you think about where Oklahoma's at just in terms of recruiting wide receivers and? overall in the wide receiver room that's currently on campus because it's fair to say that's one of the biggest question marks for the Oklahoma team heading into uh, 2023. No, I feel like they're in, in a great spot at wide receiver. I mean, they're the trending favorite for Bryant Wesco, who just earned his fifth star in the top two, four, seven, a guy that's now considered a top 10 player in the country. That's a battle right now between Oklahoma and TCU, but it seems like Oklahoma has gotten all the momentum in that recruitment and again, it would be a surprise if that shifted, but you never know what's going to happen. I mean, still a long time till signing day, but I really like Oklahoma's chances on that front. And then you got Zion Kearney, uh, a 2024 wide receiver prospect as well. Um, he is a consensus four, sorry, consensus four star player, a top 100 prospect. 
across the board. The only place that doesn't have him as a top 100 prospect is at Rivals, where he's number 128. But he's a top 16 player at the position. Um, the Sooners got a you know a future cast from Josh McQuistion of Sooner Scoop. So again, looking pretty promising on that front. Um, I don't know if there's any predictions from uh, 247, but let me look it up real quick on him. He's from Hightower. Yeah, and there's nothing really yet on him. Um, again, top 13, 16 player in the state of Texas, top 16 wide receiver, consensus four-star guy. Um, Oklahoma's doing battle in Nebraska, LSU, Houston, Arkansas on that front. But, you know, Emmett Jones has really transformed, I feel like, um, Oklahoma's ability to – like, I, I don't want to say transform, but – I feel like reignited maybe is a better word. Oklahoma's ability to land top wide receiver talent. Uh, they did a really good job under, you know, Dennis Simmons. They got CD lamb. They got, you know, Marquise Brown. I don't remember the exact timeline for when he was there, but you know, under previous wide receiver coaches, they were doing pretty good landing wide receiver talent. I mean, Keon Brown, uh, Jaquay's Petaway really like those dudes. They're going to be really, really good players for Oklahoma. But again, you know, Brian Wesco, he looks like a dude that has a lot of CD lamb to him. Um, you know, and, and I think what's going to happen is, you know, all these guys that are four or five star prospects are going to live up to the billing in this Jeff Levy offense where they're going to get an opportunity to see a lot of, see a lot of opportunities. And so I really like where they stand on Wesco. It looks like they're in a really good spot with Kearney as well. Um, I can't remember if there's anybody else that they're really um, in on heavily at the moment, but I'm going to, See if I can find it. Yeah, 2025, they've got a few guys that they're in on. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of where it looks like. I, I'm sure there's one other guy that I'm blanking on right now, but I can't think about it or I can't think of who it is. But uh, Jimmy asks about the running back room. How many running backs will Oklahoma get? Well, it looks like they're kind of heavily in on three different guys right now. Uh, the two that have really popped – for Oklahoma, you got Xavier Robinson, the in-state kid uh, out of Carl Albert, the uh, the Oklahomans 2022 Offensive Player of the Year um, at 5A. He ran for 2,600 yards. Like the dude was a beast all year last year for Carl Albert. Uh, and then it looks like Caden Durham um, out of Duncanville, an, a very different type of runner. Like you're definitely looking at a thunder and lightning kind of situation with these two. Uh, but you know, Caden Durham was one of the best players in the state of Texas last year for Duncanville helped them win a state championship uh, was absolutely huge. Uh, and so it looks like those two are definitely, they look like Oklahoma takes and it looks very promising that Oklahoma is going to land those guys. And then you got Tovani Mazel. He was a Georgia commit decommitted um, looked like, and then not long after he decommitted, the crystal ball started flowing uh, for Tavani to land with Oklahoma. So we'll see where that one transpires, but that's where it looks like at running back right now. Well, and I think BMG's got this thing figured out. 2024, we could say this probably every recruiting class, but given how several of these prominent recruitments of late have shook out and some of the names up front along the defensive line that Oklahoma's in on, that's that's the spot you got to hit on running back demarco murray's already shown you he's bringing yeah. elite running backs to the university he, he, i mean you don't have to worry about that you know running back with demarco he's getting guys okay and they might get as many as three as you mentioned uh you know a couple of those really really thought of to be high profile blue chip guys and oh by the way we haven't even really seen 
what the Javante Barnes, Gavin Sachuk tandem looks like. I think it's got a chance to be absolutely dynamite. Uh, loved what we saw from Javante Barnes, uh, his first season on campus. He obviously uh, had quite a bit of run. I think Sachuk is prime, John, to potentially morph into the star in the backfield for Oklahoma. And then, oh, by the way, they just keep adding guys back there that are blue chip talents. Uh, Caleb Hicks, who's the other running back that they've they've added yeah, in this Smothers. Smothers. And so then they're they're just gonna keep going at running back there. So it's it's really about can they can they win a couple of those big recruiting wars for several of the the defensive tackles, edge guys that we've talked about. Yeah, and it's going to come down to David Stone, Williams, Nguyenary for those for the Oklahoma Sooners. Like, those are the big fish in this recruiting cycle. They've got to land one, both, maybe, uh, to really have a a. I I think for us to really look at this recruiting class as a successful class, they got to land one of those five star defensive line talents or both of those guys to really set themselves up well to go into the SEC and be ready to compete at a really high level. Maybe not with those guys in 2024, but 2025, 2026, be able to start trending in that direction. Yeah, Nate, you're absolutely right. DeMarco and the staff do have a lot of those good problems uh, to, to begin to choose from. I mean, players want to play for DeMarco. Like it's, it's kind of becoming that self-fulfilling, you know, not prophecy, but you know, the returns because of what he's done one as a player in the NFL, a player at Oklahoma. And then as a coach with guys like, you know, Ramondre Stevenson and Kennedy Brooks and Eric gray. Um, and then seeing the development of Javante Barnes and just, you know, a short time with Oklahoma, be able to be the RB two players want to play for good coaches. They do. They want to see themselves get developed. And I mean, Ramondre Stevenson, like he had a fantastic year for the Patriots this past year. You know, we talk a lot of times about Bill Biedenboe and the success that, that he's had, you know, putting players into the NFL. Well, now we're starting to see that a little bit with DeMarco Murray. Like he had a, you know, Ramondre had a great year. Now it looks like Eric Gray is going to be kind of the next dude that goes into the league and is going to have a chance to be a big time player at the next level. So, yeah, they're not going to have any problems recruiting and it's going to be kind of who do they want? Like, who do they really want to be a part of their signing class? Because, yeah, a lot of running backs want to play. I mean, they've had so many guys that looked like they were heading towards Oklahoma over the last year, but now it's kind of shifted. The sands have shifted a little bit and now we're kind of narrowed down to maybe these three guys and Mazel and Robinson and Durham. So it's going to be a really, really interesting running back room for sure. Do you hear much on Danny Okoye who uh, is, is out of, uh, he's a homeschool kid, right? From Tulsa. Yeah. Yeah, he's part of Noah. I believe the, the North, I don't remember the exact uh, acronym for it, but it's basically the homeschool, um, kind of affiliation um, in North Oklahoma or in Oklahoma. Um, I mean, last I heard on him, last I remember kind of reading or writing about him, I mean, he was looking like an Oklahoma, you know, potentially an Oklahoma target. Um, it's going to be really, it's, it's another interesting, you know, recruitment on him because, you know, he's going to have a lot of fascinating people or following him a lot of a lot of team or a lot of teams are going to be really chasing him and i mean uh steve wiltfong wrote a story back in january about danny akoi going to colorado so it wouldn't surprise me to see you know 
everybody get in on him at this point because he's just a freak athlete that people want to have a part of their program. And yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to follow. Being recruited by Miguel Chavis. He's got man, so many different schools in the mix. Uh, I mean, everybody, everybody wants this kid. Yeah. And just judging off 24 seven sports, nobody's listed as warm or as a leader. There's no crystal balls in. So I would imagine this recruitment right now is it's pretty early. And there's, I mean, listen to this. This is all the offers. Nobody's listed as leading Alabama, Arkansas, Baylor, Colorado, Georgia, Kansas, K-State, Miami, Michigan, Mizzou, Nebraska, OU, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Oklahoma. I mean, it's like we could go on and on and on. He's got all sorts of offers. I've not really, I'm, I'm not super familiar with him. Um, haven't watched a lot of his tape. I'd be curious to flip it on. He's highly regarded in the composite rankings. He's a top 150 guy nationally, 13th edge nationally, uh, regarded as the, the top player in the state of Oklahoma. And yet, you know, he, you know, his recruitment, I guess in some ways I think about that probably is going to be a little bit like by Job's in the sense to where it's because of the homeschool route and it's not a six, a level recruit. There's probably, there's probably a lot of people that I don't know, like want to put him as a four or a five star, but are waiting to see maybe some of the more camp type stuff with him. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense because the level level of competition he's going to go up against with Noah is not going to be as high as, you know, playing for jinx or union or, you know, Edmund Santa Fe or something like that, where you're playing against the top competition in the state. Uh, so, but I mean, the dude's got the traits to be a really, really good college player. We'll see where he ends up landing. I mean, it's it's still very early. I do think you're right that it is early. Oklahoma offered him back in uh, 2022. I believe it was a year, more than a year ago in 2022. And it seems like everything's kind of been quiet on that front lately. Uh, but I'm sure that they want to get him because Brent Venables has made it a, a, a priority to get him or get, sorry, I got distracted by the comments in the, the chat over there. Um to be in-state guys. Yeah, to be getting the in-state guys, to to prioritize those guys so that Oklahoma's winning the state. And I, I think that's what the Xavier Robinson thing is all about right there. Uh, Keith is asking about offensive line, tight end prospects. Um, I mean, we've talked about Davin Mitchell. You know, they're very high on him. I think they're still really, you know, early in on, on the offensive line and tight end. I mean, they're going after so many different dudes on the offensive line. You know, from Cade Massey, who's a you know three-star playing eight-man football out of Kansas, uh, to I, I can't remember some of the profiles that I've written on offensive line guys, but they're just yeah they have a very wide breadth of offensive line offers right now um, at Oklahoma. Well, and the recruiting prediction that they got from the kid from Kansas is is kind of fascinating because he. Uh, we were talking about this in the last episode in case you missed it. Feels like he's just like the prototype, get better and better and better development type uh, from the state of Kansas plays in uh, what did, what did we see John like two way Kansas ball. So small Kansas ball, the kids, six, seven, two seventy. So that's a frame that obviously you can add. I mean, pretty easily. I would think 40, 50 pounds to a frame like that. So in uh, Oklahoma's taken some guys like that. Who's the kid that they got on the offensive line in uh, this past class, that's kind of feels like 
he's got a chance to really fill out his frame. The kid from uh, New Jersey, the the kid from the Hun School, um, Leighton Jones, is that his name? Logan Howland. Logan Howland. Why did I think Leighton Jones? But uh, at any rate, he also sounds like an offensive lineman from from Jersey. <laughs> well, Logan Howland and those types of guys, I think you're going to see. And Oklahoma has found guys like that and had success with guys like that. And there's you know another name out there, but obviously Oklahoma fans and I think media, you you want to see the Caden Greens of the world too, right? You want to see that nice, healthy mix and match. Josh Bates, I wouldn't put into the development type, John, just because he's regarded as arguably the top center, right? One of the top interior linemen in his class, and it finished up that way. So just a nice mix and match between one development type here because offensive line, I think, sort of lends itself, John, to where you can hit home runs with a couple of guys like that that add some weight, get into the nutrition program, just get better as they go along. But obviously you, you want to keep mixing in some blue chippers too. Yeah, you know, and they're they're in on some four star guys. Bennett Warren out of uh, Sugarland, Texas, uh, Oklahoma is warrant or is getting favorable, you know, uh, reviews on, uh, as well as Grant Bricks out of Logan, Iowa, another player that they've been heavily in on for quite some time now. Um, you know, top ten, you know, prospect offensive tackle, uh, and then you know of the developmental types we talked about, Caden Massey, but then there's a Weston Davis who's currently unrated, but looks like you know it's Oklahoma is kind of the 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 leader in the clubhouse uh, for that one and then you also look at casey poe out of lindell texas parker thune's kind of been on that one for a long time really he believes that he's going to end up with oklahoma and who am i to doubt the man parker thune and then eddie pierre louis uh this is an interesting one too because he he comes out of tampa catholic another four star he's a guard interior offensive lineman four star top 200 player out of Tampa Catholic, we're seeing that Oklahoma really wants to have heavy influence um, with the the Tampa Catholic, you know, that school. They got Lewis Carter out of there. They've just had some, you know, defensive line prospect in Norman over the past week as well. So that's a a, a pipeline they're looking to create. Um, also recently offered a guy, Gage Ginther, um, out of uh, Colorado, Fort Collins, Colorado. So very intriguing prospect that, again, they've they've – you know, spread their tentacles or their tendrils out far and wide and are really trying to um, create a, I don't know, kind of a diverse group of offensive linemen from a lot of different parts of the country. But, you know, they'll, they'll be in um, on a lot of these guys because of Bill Beatonbow. Uh, I read, you know, a story on who was it recently? Uh, Andrew Sprague. Um, a guy that's out of Kansas city, Missouri, a place that Oklahoma is recruiting very, very well right now. Uh, he's at a Rockhurst, uh, but he's got offers from Michigan, Notre Dame, South Carolina, Arkansas, Auburn. But, you know, when he was asked about why he considered Oklahoma to be in his top, I can't remember if it was top six or top eight. He said it was Bill Beatonbow and Oklahoma's and Bill Beatonbow and beyond, but Oklahoma's ability to get guys into the league like Trent Williams and Lane Johnson and Creed Humphrey and Orlando Brown, like, those guys have kind of dominated the offensive line conversation for much of the last few months. Creed Humphrey and Orlando Brown, because of the Super Bowl win, Trent Williams, Lane Johnson, two of the very best at their position uh, in the last couple of years. Even Creed. Creed is considered the best center in all of football right now. And a lot of that comes back to build Beatonbow and his ability to one, identify talent and to develop it as well. So they're going to be in on a lot of offensive linemen and 
just because they have a three star next to their name right now, maybe don't sweat that. Like again, Josh Bates had a three star, uh, Heath Ozeda, he was considered a three star as well. Don't let that like keep you from having faith in what Bill Beatonbow is building because again, he's got a lot a, a track record of developing kind of these three star guys. Now, you could look at some of the five star guys that didn't work out and wonder, okay, what happened on that front? I'm thinking like Bray Walker was a five-star offensive tackle prospect that just didn't work out for the Oklahoma Sooners for one reason or another. It could very well be the player. It could be just it didn't work. It just wasn't a good fit. But he's done the work to develop some of the guys that were under the radar, unheralded players. So trust the process. If if a guy who's not rated or is only rated a three-star commits to the Oklahoma Sooners, don't be like, oh, well, our offensive line is not going to be very good. We'll just trust that Bill Beatonbow knows what he's looking at on the offensive line, and he's going to be able to get the best out of these guys. Well, and I do think probably they need to recruit a little bit better there. I think that's been one of the untold stories of recent years with Oklahoma football is we've spent so much time defensive tackle, defensive tackle, uh, you know, Hicks, Stone, Wanary. Why can't they get this guy? Why can't they get this guy? There need to be more Caden Greens. They're, they're due. And Oklahoma's kind of taking a little bit of a step back from their Joe Moore award, which, look, you know, I, I get it. At its very core, that statement is so – it's almost dumb in a way because, yeah, they've taken a step back because the Joe Moore award winning offensive line means you have the best offensive line in America. But it takes that to do what Oklahoma wants to do, right, or to be in that conversation to do the things that Oklahoma wants to do, which is – what everybody here watching along on Lockdown Sooners wants, and that's national championships. That's SEC championships to national championships, college football playoff berths going forward. Oklahoma's been they've been okay, and they've they've done you know some uh, locating of spot starters here and there, here and there out of the transfer portal, and I think they'll continue to do that. We see that you know Schaefer and others they've went and probably have found some guys that can be impact players for them, John, but. The, the basis, the foundational pieces of what is going to make a championship roster for Oklahoma, there's only a few pieces, I think, that can come from the transfer portal in the trenches. And so that same logic to me applies with the offensive line. I don't mind a couple of developmental types here and there, but Oklahoma probably collectively can serve to do a little bit more of the signing of guys like Caden Green. You know, I mean, the, it uh, does matter. It does matter, you know, to, to get guys that are that have a, a better talent base, you know, have traits that are a little bit more translatable to college and, and are have more to work with, to be honest. You know, they either are more athletic, they're stronger, they're bigger, they're faster, whatever it is. It helps to have those things to develop. So probably what happened is the coaching staff, headed by Lincoln Riley, Bill Beatonbow part of it just had some misevaluations. It happens. It happens at every level of football, the NFL, college, high school. It doesn't matter. Like you think a guy is going to be this, he doesn't turn out to be that. Or you think a guy has this ability and it doesn't, it doesn't translate. Uh, and that just happens. But when you miss on a, your five-star offensive tackle or you miss, or your four-star, you know, interior offensive lineman hasn't contributed yet, or, you know, whatever it is, your wide receiver group, like, they had with Theo Wees and you know Trajan Bridges and Jaden Hazelwood that was so highly regarded and everybody was so pumped and excited and touted to not really get much of anything out of those guys except for like a couple good seasons from you know Jaden Hazelwood was really good in 21 and Theo Wees was pretty good in 2020. 
you didn't really get much else. Like you didn't, they didn't live up to the expectations. And so when that happens, it kind of sets you back a bit as a program to, to not have those building blocks to continue to build upon. But that's why, you know, the Caden green, you know, evaluation and getting Josh Bates, getting those pieces into your offensive line room are huge, but now they have to take those steps into becoming like legit starters and stars for your offensive line so that you can build around that and continue to build your offensive line. So I'm really, really, you know, I think there's promise, but I think if they're able to land a grant bricks, if they're able to, you know, pull an Andrew Sprague kind of out of the back pocket, you know, if they're able to land some of these other four-star prospects, then it's going to, you know, help build that foundation for the offensive line. But then the next step is, okay, you're there in Oklahoma. You're there in Norman. Now you got to take the next step. You got to develop into a star. You know, you said something a little while ago, and great points on you know the offensive line and really just you know the takeaway there. Just real quick before I touch on one one final piece tonight with you, the takeaway there for me is more four and five star guys. That way, if you swing and miss on one or two, you, like Georgia, I'm sure if we went back. It's not every single five star is hitting. And in it's fact, true. they probably have, you know, one three star, a couple of, you know, this guy or that guy, four star that's lower four star that have turned into to bona fide stars for Georgia. But it's they get so many. They get so many four and five star guys that it's okay to misevaluate here and there. So probably just the the overall bulk in uh, in roster construction of those again blue chip high blue chip four or five star guys is something that simply i mean everybody's trying to do but oklahoma if they're trying to track down championships needs to improve okay something you said about oklahoma's recruiting kansas city so well and oh by the way oklahoma's recruiting here so well and obviously we know the the dallas metro and houston and texas in general the state of oklahoma they want to do well listen to the breakdown in the 2023 class of oklahoma's signees five from florida five from texas four from oklahoma two from missouri two from washington one from california one from colorado one from indiana one from nebraska one from new jersey one from north carolina one from pennsylvania one from tennessee and oh by the way this class that you just got going with the newcomb commit is an arizona kid so it's like where does oklahoma recruit really well they they recruit truly nationally and we hear people say that but that's i mean genuinely like okay 10 of those players 14 of the players come from florida texas oklahoma so that's where the bulk of the work is getting done right but then you just got so many other pieces from other states this staff man they really that southeast portion we've talked a lot about that with florida and some of the other states that they've gotten into man but it's truly you listen to all those states it's all over the place where this uh, staff is recruiting and signing players from. Yeah, it's true. And, and you've got to be able to do that because you never know what you're going to unearth that like a Josh Bates, you know, somebody, a three-star guy out of Colorado, but I think he's going to be a really, really, really good player. And that, I'm not just saying that because he's a friend of the show that's been on the show several times. I mean, we love the dude. He's a good guy, but he just has, a little bit of what this offensive line needs. And that's some of that nastiness. Like they need somebody that's going to be willing to kind of muck it up a little bit with the opposing defense and, and somebody that can, you know, it's not afraid. And he's, I mean, he kind of has that mentality, has that attitude. He's an offensive lineman's son too. So he's, he's got a lot of that bred into him a little bit. Um, but you got to be able to go into some of these States and find, 
you know, a Heath Ozida, you know, a Josiah Wagner also up out of the Pacific Northwest. Um, but then, yeah, what they're doing in Missouri right now is really, really fascinating to me because you get, you know, PJ Atabari out of Kansas City. You pulled uh, Cade McIntyre out of uh, Kansas. Uh, and then you're heavily in on Williams Nuineri out of Kansas City. Uh, Caden Green, just north or just outside of Kansas City, Lee Summit, um, the suburb of Kansas City, I believe southeast of the city. So, and then you're you're in on some of these other guys from that area, that metro area, like, that's huge. You know, Emmett Jones doing the work in North Texas for you. You, you know, your defensive staff doing great work there. And then Brent Venables, a lot of it because of where he grew up, you know, having those connections in the Kansas, Kansas city area. I think it makes a big difference. And then, you know, DeMarco Murray being able to recruit out West, you know, Todd Bates, Miguel Chavis, you know, those guys, Brandon Hall, those guys being able to recruit in the Southeast like that, it makes a difference to have a diverse recruiting staff or coaching staff that has connections all over the place because then it gets you indoors that you might not otherwise have gotten into. Uh, and so it's cool to see that they're leaving no stone unturned. Uh, I remember like there's even a Washington DC kid that they were looking at uh, not long ago as well that they offered. I can't remember the, you know, the name off the top of my head, but I mean, just everywhere everywhere you know and here we are we you know we talked about Caden Massey again an eight-man football player I mean how often do you hear Oklahoma going after eight-man players it, it's not very often but they see something in the kid they see traits that they think that they can develop into being a a big time part of their offensive line of the future well and we're seeing does it I mean it feels like we're seeing a little bit more of that with Brent Venables and in this staff I think that they they really trust their own evaluations uh, enough to where it's not going to turn them off the idea to offer and sign an Eric McCarty that other mm -hmm. folks weren't as high on him. It's not going to turn them off the idea of offering and signing an eight man football kid. If they see what they think they can develop into, you know, two, three star kid into four or five NFL type kids. So I, and I kind of dig that about this staff that yes. again, and I've always said, I've always said, to me, it's good. It's healthy for the program. You know, this look, this is sports media folks sit here and say, we need more blue chippers. We need more blue chippers. And then by the end of the show, <laughs> kind of like the <laughs> kind of like the mix of some developmental types with some of these blue chippers. But I do think that's healthy for a team to have a couple of those guys, right? It's, it's not all the, and, and you know, not that every blue chip kid is, I mean, obviously backgrounds are different, John. And I'm not saying that because you're a blue chip kid, suddenly you've been uh, you've been raised in the situation where everything's been handed to you. But there is a different feel, right? When you arrive, uh, I, I would imagine when you arrive on campus as that four five star ballyhooed guy that everybody was after and every program offered. Versus the two, three-star kid here or there, or the kid that didn't have stars until late in the process, until Oklahoma offered. I like having one or two of those guys around. I think that's healthy. Yeah, because you, you've got guys with chips on their shoulder. They're going to have to come in and earn everything. You know, they, they're, I mean, that's true for everybody, but for the guy that is kind of flying under the radar or, you know, wasn't as highly recruited or highly regarded, they're going to come in with more, you know, more to prove just naturally. Uh, and so Josh, I, briefly, I want to talk about my stance on commits and commitments. So oh man, here we go. on the locked on Twitter account, 
you know, I was talking about how excited I was for Jeremiah Newcomb and just what a good player he is. And man, that's, that's a great signing and Oklahoma got their first commit and somebody, you know, responded, you know, below the tweet. He's like, yeah, but put pen to paper, then I'll get excited. I'm like, come on, man. Like if you can't get excited about a commitment, sure. It's just March, but can't we say like that nothing really matters until they sign for every commitment? If that's true, then why do we even follow any of this? The reality is, is a lot of people love to follow recruiting. It that's just facts. Whether it's you know two four seven or rivals or on three or what we talk about here on our show or Josh Pate or across the country, everybody loves recruiting. It's just like the NFL. Everybody loves the NFL draft. Those dudes that cover the NFL draft, they'll do three hundred evaluations for the Dallas on on players that Dallas Cowboys might might draft. They're only going to draft like 10 of them, but people will read every single one of those evaluations because they love the draft. The same is true for recruiting. Like people love it. And so like when a commitment happens and Oklahoma gets a guy, which I think is really, really good with this dude in Jeremiah Newcomb, be excited about it. Like enjoy the ride, enjoy the process. Yeah. Does do flips happen? Absolutely. They do all the time. It happened last cycle with Ashton Cozart and Anthony Evans and Colton Vasquez. You lost a couple guys. It happens, but you also ended up with a Peyton Bowen. So this recruiting staff, this coaching staff knows how to play the game. And this is just all part of it. It's all in the game, the flips, the NIL stuff, the recruitments, the commitments, the decommitments, all of it's part of the game. Just enjoy the ride. It is what it is. Don't get too worked up so that you're like berating a, a high school kid about his decision, but just enjoy the process of it all. And don't get so like cynical that every time a, a commit, you know, happens that you're like, ah, oh, well, we've seen guys flip in the past. This isn't going to stick or I'll wait till signing day to get really excited. I'm like, no, just enjoy it. Be excited about it now. Like it's sports. It's fun. Like let's just enjoy what it is for what it is. And yeah, we'll be even more excited come signing day when Jeremiah Newcomb puts pen to paper, but I'm going to be excited now because that's a dude. And I'm really excited to have him on the Oklahoma Sooners football team come the 2024 spring season, because that guy is going to bring a lot of speed, a lot of edge, a lot of tenacity out there at cornerback, which is something that Oklahoma needs. And I'm sure they got some of those guys in the 2023 cycle too, but man, dude, I'm going to be excited about this kid. And I'm, I hope you will too. I know you locked on Sooners fans. You also are very optimistic people. You're glass half full people like I am, or at least some of you are, maybe not all of you, but man, it's, it's fun. It's a fun process. It's a fun time of year. Yes. There'll be ups and downs. Yes. There will be guys that decommit, but there won't be very, be very many of them. Again, they had 26 signees last year. They had three dudes that decommitted or flipped to another program out of 29 players. I like those odds. I like that Brent, I like what Brent Venables is going to be able to pull in every single year. So there's my rant. There's my take on all that. Uh, let's talk something a little bit more fun before we get out of here over the last. Go ahead, Josh. You want to say something on that? I do. Yeah. And I'll be very brief here. The most important part was the last part right there. There's not that many. The the success rate once Oklahoma gets a commitment is very, very high. And I know that there's some high profile flips in this and that, but like you said, you, you got one in Bowen, but the important thing is yes, you can celebrate commitments because generally speaking, those players sign with Oklahoma. Now, not 100%. 
signed with Oklahoma. It's recruiting. That's just kind of how this thing unfolds. But man, you, you got to live in the, uh, it's, it's a much more pleasant existence to try and live in the universe where things are good. Recruiting momentum is positive. And I see some of the comments we get something. Oh, every sunshine pumping again. Here we go. It's like, well, you, it's nicer. It's, it's nicer to live in a world where things are potentially improving for Oklahoma, but it generally speaking, a commitment they usually sign with OU. They obviously don't always sign with OU, but the idea that, oh, none of these kids, none of it matters. Well, usually it does by a wide margin. And we don't have to say it with every commitment because it's it's kind of implied, right? We know. Everybody knows that nothing is official official until signing day. We know it. Everybody knows it. It's like it's like the person that comments under an article that somebody writes and, and it's like, well, who cares? Like just because you don't care doesn't mean somebody else doesn't care. Like there's somebody out there that cares. And so we're going to care anyway. That's all on that. Um, yeah. So real quick, we got a few things here that we've got very little time to touch on, but uh, ESPN's Adam Rittenberg, he broke down 10 pros. No, not Adam Rittenberg. This was ah, man. Crap. Forgot who it was. It's on dudes. Huh? It's unimportant. Somebody from ESPN. Yeah. ESPN people, took 10 prospects out of the 2023 cycle and comped them to players previously at their program. And first they compared Jaquez Petaway to Ryan Broyles, which I'm like, okay, you can make the case. They're kind of similar size guys, you know, a little bit similar players. I think petaway has got way more speed than Broyles had. Uh, Broyles might be a better route runner. We'll see. Uh, but the interesting one here was Jackson Arnold getting comped to Baker Mayfield, Josh. Yeah, I don't know that I see that comparison all that much. I feel like what we hear about Jackson Arnold. Now, Baker was a sneaky runner. He was an elusive runner. He was he was good at it, right? He was like uh constantly pulling off magic tricks in the pocket. It's like how how can folks not get this guy down? It's Baker Mayfield. It's what he does, man. He got a little little magic about him, but he wasn't really a good runner. Jackson Arnold right. seems like he's uh, he's more natural in that capacity. So I don't know. I mean, the the personality maybe, but even that I'm going to have to see on campus. It's hard to compare anybody to Baker, isn't it? I mean, just because again, he's not you know like the 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 running traits I don't think are similar. And then again, whenever you compare somebody to Baker, okay, that's great, and I'm going to click and yes, sell me on why he's like Baker Mayfield. I'll read your story. But there's only one Baker Mayfield. He's very, very unique from a personality standpoint. Yeah, it's like, you know, people trying to compare, you know, Anthony Richardson to. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, guys. There we go. Took care of that. Um, people trying to compare <laughs> a Anthony screeching Richardson. Halt, a screeching halt from the chat. Cam Newton. Sorry, there's some inappropriate something that went down in the chat room. Had to get rid of it. My apologies for uh, being taken aback on that. Um, yeah, it it it's crazy. The the I love Jackson Arnold. I think he's going to be a fantastic player. I don't know that he's Baker Mayfield. I mean, could he be better than Baker Mayfield? Maybe, but I think they're very you know maybe not quite the same player. You know, Jackson Arnold can run really really well. I I, I don't know. I see him more as like a Josh Allen type runner, like a better runner than Mayfield we'll see where he's at as a passer, but I probably, I mean, 
man, I don't even want to go there. Like, I don't even want to go and say maybe he's a better passer than Mayfield. But you got the Gatorade National Player of the Year, right? A guy that was a five-star prospect. Baker Mayfield coming out of high school had to walk on at Texas Tech. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. But that's the reality is that Jackson Arnold was a very highly regarded quarterback prospect coming out of his you know high school class went to a you know state championship game as a junior his first year starter starting a you know semifinal game his second year won all the accolades i mean i don't know maybe he is baker mayfield maybe he's gonna have all the the same type of success but yeah, that's, I mean, those are kind of pretty lofty, you know, comps right there. And again, I'm not exactly sure that they, they match one-to-one, but I could definitely see the, the moxie a little bit in Jackson Arnold, but it's not going to be as vocal. He's so much quieter, I think as a, as a person, as a leader, um, he's not going to be nearly as braggadocious or vote, you know, yeah, vociferous is the word I'm looking for, um, as Baker Mayfield will, but nobody is, nobody will be. Um, and that's okay. We don't need Jackson Arnold to be Baker Mayfield. We just need Jackson Arnold to be Jackson Arnold and continue to develop into what Jackson Arnold could be, which as a five-star player, you're being projected to be an NFL quarterback. So I'm just going to, we're right up against the the end of the program for this evening. And thank you all so much. This is always cool for us to, uh, to have all of you here and to get the interaction. It's uh, it's awesome, but I will defer to you on a, story here that simply your expertise is greater than mine what is all this nonsense uh, about caleb kelly in a new professional future okay so here i am scrolling espn uh, earlier today looking just for you know some story ideas for sooner's wire and uh you know adam rittenberg this is what adam rittenberg uh, wrote about uh, there's 26 men, 24 women uh, getting WWE tryouts, world wrestling entertainment tryouts this week during WrestleMania week, the biggest weekend of the pro wrestling calendar by far. There's nothing bigger than WrestleMania weekend. It's a two night event. Now it used to just be one night. Now it's two. They can't pack it all in. Plus you got, you know, the, the live shows and, you know, NXT as well. There's so many things going on during WrestleMania weekend. Well, what do I find as I'm scrolling through the story just to, just to see if there's any Oklahoma Sooner ties, but one Caleb Kelly getting a tryout with the WWE and my wrestling brain that has followed professional wrestling since I was six, seven, eight, um, you know, back, you know, since the late eighties, early nineties just explodes. I'm like, no, come on. Our Caleb Kelly, our Caleb Kelly is going to try out for the WWE pumped ecstatic excited about it um and yeah man it's happening you know like this is a he's gonna take the opportunity to take the chance um on pursuing something outside of football and the huge part of the soul mission huge part of helping you know those athletes develop as people and professionals um off the field and and a you know big time advisor on the field so a, a huge loss would happen if he were to make it into the WWE, but dude, he's got such a great personality. It's such an enig- enigmatic personality that I could see being very, very successful in WWE. If, if he could stay healthy, that's going to be the biggest if with Caleb Kelly is, can he go to the WWE, take the bumps, you know, take the falls, man, then I think he could be really, really successful because he's, he could be really good on the mic. 
as both either a good guy, the face or a heel, the bad guy. I think he could really probably turn on that persona. And we know the physical, you know, attributes that he has playing linebacker at the collegiate level. I mean, the dude's got the skills all the way around. Um, and it could be just maybe they're looking for him as kind of a, an on-air personality. Uh, who knows? But even as that, I think he'd be a great asset for, for him because he's just really, really good. He's good with people. He's good on the mic. I mean, he'll, he'll connect with fans um, you know, of, across the country because just the, the football playing aspect, but just his smile is kind of joyful personality just resonates with people. Um, and even his story, I think he's a fan favorite for Oklahoma fans. Like even though he didn't live up to the, the five-star status, the, you know, but get, you know, high school, butt kiss award winners, you know, uh, expectations still very much beloved a guy that will always be loved, uh, among sooner nation just because of the, you know, put his body on the line for what, six years for the Sooners. And yeah, things didn't really go you know, well for him. Um, but man, I, I really do think he's got that, got a chance to, to do something really special there. Um, if this tryout goes really, really well for him this week, and we hope it does. Um, he's again, he's got the skills, he's got the talent, he's got the mic, he's got the personality. I think he could really, really do something special. I have nothing to add on you know, that comp right there question, but I will say just generically on Caleb Kelly, wish him well, man. Uh, I, yeah, I can definitely see a scenario where this is his calling, whether or not it's, uh, you know, as you said, a face, a heel, or just as a broadcaster, he's got broadcasting experience. So, and would just echo the other sentiments you said there, great personality, terrific person, awesome human being, uh, easy to root for the work ethic, incredible work ethic. So uh, switch it well, man. That's, I mean, felt like it totally came out of left field, which sometimes that's the perfect match, right? It's like, wait a second. Is this guy in WWE that doesn't fit? And then all of a sudden it's, it's like a perfect match. Yeah. He asks about uh, Jimmy Superfly Snooker. He was a, a dude back in uh, like forever ago, um, 80, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s. Uh, wrestler and you know one of the one of the best ever from that that time period um but i would see him more as the current wwe undisputed universal champion roman reigns uh, a dude that might come up you know as a a face somebody who's considered a good guy in the organization through development because of just who he is personality wise but as jimmy mentions he couldn't see him as a heel I think a lot of people wouldn't have seen the rock as a heel first or wouldn't have seen Roman Reigns as a heel, but you know, the turn happens and sometimes you make that heel turn a little bit and things work out well for you. Um, it would shock people. I think, I think Caleb Kelly has got the guy or got the personality that could pull off whatever WWE would ask him to do. I think he's got the, the flexibility, the personality, just the, I don't know, just the intensity too. I mean, you can't play linebacker at the collegiate level without having some level of intensity to you. So yeah, man, Caleb Kelly, best of luck, man. I hope I get to see you on a WWE NXT show sometime soon. WWE raw, like that would be again, mind blown worlds collide situation. And Oklahoma's had, you know, you know, they had, you know, Jack Swagger guy who won the WWE championship, um, a, quite a while ago. Now he's in AW doing very well. You got Dr. Death, Steve Williams that had a great run, uh, through several different, you know, wrestling promotions back in the eighties as well. So 
And then we got, you know, JR, good old JR, got the big time connection to the pro wrestling business as well. So Oklahoma is very well versed in getting guys into the uh, the WWE. So best of luck to you, Caleb. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning into the show and being a part of it here on the live show. We love having you guys here and interacting with you every single week. Make sure you're here Monday, Monday night, 9 p.m. Central Time each week. Sorry about last week. Just scheduling didn't work out where we weren't able to uh, get together, but we'll try to keep it going as much as we possibly can all off season long. But until next time, follow Josh on Twitter. He's at Josh on ref. You can also hear him Monday through Friday on 94, seven, the ref in Norman. I'm at John nine Williams. You can also read my work covering the Sooners over at Sooners wire. You can follow the show on Twitter at locked on Sooners and on Facebook as well. Locked on Sooners podcast, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. But until next time, everybody, thanks again for being here. Boomer Sooner.